Hello, welcome to County Road Bobblers podcast. It's myself, Witch, and it's been a while. It's been October, we've had Christmas, and it seems like everything's going on at the moment in the world of Everton. Uh, I'm joined by two people you'll know well, certainly the people that use Twitter, or X as it's called now, um, our very own Julia from BBC Merseyside, and I'm sure most people, if not everyone, has listened to uh, Nothing Will Be The Same, the documentary that Julia done, if you haven't. Get watching and oh, get listening to it nowadays, isn't it? Uh, but it's a refreshing change and an authentic look at, at Everton behind the scenes. And I'm also joined by uh, Terry. Um, Terry, you'll know off Twitter. Uh, certainly, with if it's not the bets that he puts on the winning bets, it's it's certainly the uh, the compilation videos and the way he manages to articulate a lot of the time how his Evertonians are feeling. I'm managing to show that you know in in some of the stuff that he puts out there. So. Uh, Terry, Terry's out there as is, uh, is, is at T-Finn again on Twitter. So make sure you're following Terry if you're not already. Uh, so um, both debutants here, uh, Julia, how are you feeling, mate? It's been a, a long week again, hasn't it? Oh, do you know, sometimes I think I'm going to get a quiet week. But uh, yeah, and that's my dog squeaking a toy. So she'll be part of this whole conversation as well. But yeah, it's been a bit at the press conference today uh, ahead of the Spurs game. So... Yeah, deadline day is always a bit of a weird one. It's felt, if it wasn't for Lewis Hamilton in F1, I don't think there'd be a lot to talk about today, but that's quite nice. I quite like a, a quiet deadline day, particularly where Everton's concerned, <laughs> especially outgoings. Uh, yeah, I definitely think the outgoings are, are what people have been worrying about, aren't they, at the moment? Because, I mean, we know that we haven't got any money. We're in a position where we're almost staying afloat at the moment. Um I mean, we've had a bit of life. I think the only life I've seen, like you say, is the Formula One and a bit of to- Tony Compari action earlier on, winds and looting fans up. But uh, Terry, yeah, I mean, how are you feeling about deadline day? You same as Julia, it just doesn't seem the same. Yeah, pretty much, mate. Obviously, just start by saying thanks for having me on. Um, when you asked me to come on, I don't think it, we realised what a baptism of fire it was going to be. <laughs> um, sandwiched in between two Premier League games, deadline day, there's a, a takeover going on. And uh, the three-day appeal is about to conclude tomorrow. So, yeah, plenty to talk about. But in terms of the, the January transfer window, it's just a, a Thursday for Evertonians, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it is. it is. I think that's the perfect way of summing it up. And, yeah, you're, you're quite right. You know, they've had the independent panel here and start. Uh, you know, the controversial penalty at, at Craven Cottage. Um, some suspect time in articles, I'd say. Um with certain articles that have come out, Mr. Ziegler released an article today, which was intriguing, and I'm sure I'll, I'll reference that very shortly. And, uh, you know, a meaningful week in terms of it's a year of Deitch as well. Um, You wouldn't think that 12 months is a long time, uh, but, you know, for Everton and managers, it is. So Deitch is already um, actually here longer than and some managers that have gone before him. So I mean, that's a, a milestone as well. Uh, and we'll kind of come on to that towards, towards the back end of the podcast. But I think, I mean, it's quite a shame, really, that, that you know, that we're on a deadline day and actually the big news is stuff that's happening off the pitch. Um, you know, we're talking about points deductions, rules, regulations, legal battles. You know, it's not really what, what you'd expect. But points deduction, obviously, we know that that's started now. Um, Julian, obviously, you, you've been, you know, certainly a Finch farm today, haven't you, with the press conference with uh, with Deitch. Um, what's the move like at Everton? Um, you know, is it, you know, is there very much a sense that that's going on in the background? Obviously, a lot of the questions, I suppose, by the media are asking around that. 
Yeah, do you know, since Deitch came in a year ago, it sounds really easy to say, oh, he's very good at blocking out the noise, as he calls it. He loves calling it that, doesn't it? Yeah, do you know what? It's business as usual in there. It's just training, focusing on the game. You know, I saw a few of the players were knocking around today. I spoke to Ben Godfrey and Dwight McNeil, and they were picking the post up and stuff. Just, you know, a, a normal day. I actually think it's almost as though... Everyone has become a bit desensitised in that it's just, this is quite normal for Everton to have all these other things going on and, you know, headlines and people talking about facts and figures and legal things and stuff that none of us really watch football for. And I certainly didn't get into sport reporting to do any of that because I only have yeah. GCSE maths, so I'm not great at the numbers. So it's not kind of, you know, the type of thing I really want to talk about. But yeah, it feels, yeah, it feels kind of just, exactly as normal but I think that's because since Deitch came in if you think about his first game was Arsenal wasn't it at the start of February so he, he kind of yeah. came in and there was de deadline day today and he had I think it was the Monday it was announced and then the Tuesday it was deadline day and then I think he had his press conference two days later and then it was the Arsenal game that weekend so he kind of was dropped in the middle of all this anyway and he's had nothing but headlines from day one there was the protest against the running of the club before the Arsenal game. So he's never known anything different, has he? So I think for him, this is just Everton. I think yeah. this is just Sean Dyche's, you know, perception of what it's always like. I spoke yeah. to him last week. He did a did a bonus episode that we tagged on the series and uh, had a conversation with him. He invited me into his office again, which has still got nothing in it. Because <laughs> he just doesn't have time. That's just not who he is. He has got a pen pot now, though. So that was the that was the only new thing. Very yeah, Very he said, do you like what I've done with the place as a pen pot? Um, yeah, and, you know, he was sort of saying it's been, I think he used the words challenging, you know, and it, it's it's been everything, hasn't it? So he hasn't known any different. And I, and I certainly didn't get a vibe today. I think the players are pretty used to cameras being constantly at the gates or Everton being discussed. It's quite a weird one today, though, because there's a TV as you go into Finch Farm, always on the wall and it's always on. And it always has like sports news going all the time. And this time last year when I was in there every day, it was always Everton on the telly. So there was this really weird, surreal thing of us being on the inside of it, watching people who were stood at the gates talking about what was going on inside. And we were all watching. It was the weirdest thing. Like you're watching what they're talking about and you're actually in there. It's the yeah, yeah, it's very bizarre. Uh, and, you know, there's a really weird bit as well where when there was no manager, we're all stood watching what they're saying about who the manager's going to be because we're all trying to see what they... It was just the weirdest thing. But today it felt, because I think Deitch has been pretty open and I know there was communication from Kevin Thelwell, wasn't there, at the start of the yeah. month, saying, look, it's going to be a quiet transfer yeah, window. Yeah, it just yeah. It, it did feel like a normal day. It didn't, feel, it didn't even feel like a deadline day today, to be honest, because it was, yeah, it was kind of just a quiet day on the telly. So it felt nice. It felt unusual but nice <laughs> yeah, definitely you know it's a, it is a strange I mean Teddy you know from your perspective you know did you ever you know think that you'd be talking about a QC or a barrister you know in in in, in the lead up to the deadline day and that that becomes the hot topic that you you're worried about what's going on in a courtroom I didn't make no um and obviously it's funny that the the quietness that we're seeing you know across the the, the deadline day it's actually as a result of what's happened to Everton. Um, you know, clubs are scared to make moves, you know, in terms of, I think Everton would have been looking at maybe the loan market, but 
for us to go into that, you need a big club to make a transfer somewhere and it allows another player to leave. But that just doesn't happen. There hasn't been that domino effect. Um, and as you say, the, the legal matters that are going on with Everton has ruined the transfer window. Um, and, you know, if it carries on in terms of what the Premier League are doing, it could potentially ruin football as well. It, it, I mean, it is bizarre, isn't it? You know, I think... Um, uh, I mean, it did laugh, you, you know, when, when we read, you know, that we, we'd appointed a, a new QC, um, Super Silk, as he's kind of uh, nicknamed, you know, in the, in the, in the legal circles. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, yeah, Shagger Silk has now become the kind of the facto <laughs> name for, for this, uh, you know, this fellow who, who's probably confused that all of a sudden he keeps seeing Shagger Silk get mentioned. I, I, I hope his missus hasn't got Twitter and she's not looking at that thinking, what have you been up to here? Um, you know, like, it's just an affectionate well. term. If she's listening to this, if he is married, it's yeah. just an affectionate term. I'm just concerned if, you know, if, if he does the business and gets what everybody wants... You could just see it, Bramley Moore Doc's going to have a stand named after him. And I really hope it's kind of his official name, not yeah. his nickname. Nobody wants yeah, to be. <laughs> Julia, I was listening to uh, your conversation uh, with the public lawyer. Yes, was it yesterday? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I think we've got this built up in our heads that it's going to be some sort of big courtroom drama. Um, <laughs> if the glove fits, you can't quit. Sort of thing, but it's okay, basically so. just <laughs> yeah, it's basically just going to be Everton questioning the panel in terms of the sanctions, isn't it? It's not going to be the sort of drama that we're all pitching in our minds, like suits. It's not going to be suits, no, no, <laughs> no, no Harvey Specter or anything like that going in. Yeah, it was so that was Matt Stanbury who was on yesterday, and he was fascinating because he's an appeals barrister, so he kind of knows. And I know he worked with the Fab to to come up with the statement that has gone in. And that's unusual in itself. There's there's nothing usual about anything to do with this from start to finish with yeah. Everton, which is just typical, isn't it? And even that's yeah. unusual. And I think that's a... I, I hope it's a good sign that the fans' thoughts and feelings and perceptions and opinions are part of this appeal, which is not normally the case. And you think, well, actually, this is a situation where the board that was in place at the time of any decision-making, whatever happened, is no longer there. You know, the owner is has put the club up for sale. It's been up for sale anyway. And, you know, we're still waiting to find out what earth's going to happen there because that's dragging on. And, you know, Dyke just said himself, the only people here being punished are the fans, him and the players, none of which have made any decisions at all to, as to what has, you know, gone on in, in whatever situation. So... Yeah, and then there's the lack of transparency. I thought Matt was brilliant at explaining sort of that bit because I know there's a lot of stuff on social media and you can get quite a bit of flack, can't you? From I'm, I'm sure you both have had flack. I certainly yeah. have. When Whenever you tweet about it and you get fans from other clubs, I'm certainly not popular with Leicester fans for some reason. They just don't seem <laughs> to like me. Um, you know, but they're saying... I, but, I wouldn't worry about that. Worry about <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you, you cheated is, is, is kind of the phrase that comes back. You cheated or accept the punishment you did wrong and that's that's never been the issue and that's kind of what he was really good at explaining that's not the issue as as we know on this conversation that's not the issue yeah there was a breach but it's to do with the the murkiness of rules being changed part way through where Everton were kind of open with the Premier League weren't they the books were open it was all there yeah. for everybody to see and then part way through at some point it's changed and this this ad back as it's called, permissible ad back as we've all learned what it is. 
it's kind of a bit like um you know just writing something off isn't it that you're allowed because it's to do with infrastructure and it was interest on a loan payment as everybody knows and it's easy for people to say but gave you a sporting advantage and I know there's a lot in the in the commission's report isn't there in this I mean, it's really nerdy and I I don't want to go down the nerd street of it, but, you know, there's like point ninety five where it's discussing about if this gave any form of on-the-pitch advantage to Everton, did they succeed further in the league because of it, etc. And then when you get to point one oh four, the commission actually looks at it and goes, there actually wasn't anything. We look at what you have to do to get that sporting advantage and if it was, you know, a cynical breach in order to get that, we don't believe that's what it is. So... And anyone who watched Everton the last couple of years, there's been no sporting advantage, has there? Because it's not yeah. like there's been trophies coming in the door. So it's not like it's been an easy ride. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Matt was fascinating there and he put it in real easy speak, but also how complex this is because it is unusual. Yeah, it was interesting what he said um, in terms of how unusual it is because I saw that he referenced the, the Tevez panel, but what yeah. happened to Tevez? And he obviously highlighted it. I think you retweeted it as well, Julia. He highlighted the words, um, the fans have been through a relegation battle and they don't deserve to go through this. You shouldn't punish the fans. So that panel, why can't we have that panel? You know, why have we got a panel who, uh, you know, throwing us under the bus, basically, and, and you know, vilifying us? I think when you, you kind of, I mean, I was on on, on the fans forum, um, as I shared to, towards uh, the back end of the Super League stuff, and I was one of the people who put, you know, together a report to 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 Everton's board at the time, saying why we need a final advisory board, and actually, you know, what the not not to kind of belittle the fans for them at the time, but many people will know I stepped down from that because I was protesting, um, and I felt it was right to stand, but you know, not to be doing that and meeting with the board. Actually, you need to stand with the fans shoulder to shoulder. Mm-hmm. So the fans have been through this, as you say. You know, the fans have protested. A lot of us have, have done what we felt felt was right, but what what. Like you say, is you know that, that actually Tracy Crouch and her report. The essence of that was was actually making sure that fans' voices are heard. And I think, like you say before, Julia, actually the the essence, you know, without looking back to the past, looking forward to the future, should be listening to fans. You know, the Football Supporters Association have been very vocal about that, uh, and this is probably the first um, fan response. And I thought, but you know, I, I've got to say, I know for you there, Dave Kelly. You know, he's he's. Yeah, crack and fella Dave. Everyone knows Dave, and you know he's he's a really good good job putting that together with Tony Sampson and the, and the rest. You know on the on 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 the um the fan advisory board. So it, it was refreshing, I think, to hear. You know, or I felt when I read that that, that you know that I can see they've been doing something for us. You know, as as fans, you know, felt like they were our voice and that they've been out and and can you know and and doing all they can to to try and make sure that our our voice is heard and they should be. You know, that's what you know that's what's going to come from this independence. Um, uh, the the independence, um, you know, future of of, of the Premier League, you know, uh, it does need independent governance, and and hopefully that is, you know, is is the future. So, I'm just worried anyway. I'm just it'd be typical Everton if someone said that um that they they know a good barrister and and actually they missed her. It was good barista. So I'm just I'm I'm just hoping that the, the super silk doesn't just make it a, a crack and espresso, and he's actually good in the courtroom as well. <laughs> I think I think the tricky thing in all this is is we don't know what goes on because it's all behind closed doors again, isn't yeah. it? And that's why I think it was fascinating to watch when it was Department Culture, Media and Sport because you you could watch that going on as questions were being asked that kind yeah, of 
football fans want to ask. And I thought, actually, they were brilliant, all the ministers that were involved in that. And I think yeah. the biggest twist for me in the recent weeks is I'm not surprised by the Everton fans at all rallying the troops and making sure, and, you know, in a really professional way as well. You know, like some companies mm -hmm. don't act as professional as some of the fan groups do, and it's fantastic. That doesn't surprise me because I know exactly what the fan base is like. What has been the biggest twist for me is the letter... I get confused now because this is just blurred into one big week. But I think it was last week, wasn't it? The DCMS letter that went, the open letter that went to the league yeah. asking for specific sort of paperwork and and how, you know, 10 points was came to and all that. That for me is a huge twist because yeah. it, I, I didn't expect that at any point. And that feels a really big momentum shift, I hope, anyway. The, the thing that worries about this, Julia, as well, I tweeted this the other day was... Was the the ask from the DCMS was was that the uh, the minutes are produced um, now these minutes seem to be like you know the Boris Johnson's WhatsApp messages um, you know they don't seem to be receivable you know and, and these were asked for by the eighth of February um, and all of a sudden it just does seem strange to me uh, I know that you know I'm not asking you a question here but just me personally as an individual I think it seems strange that all of a sudden the hearings happening now when it was expected to be mid February. Um, you know, and I, I do wonder, you know, if the if these minutes come out, will they blow up and, and, and cause a bit of a story? Um, so I do wonder, you know, if you, you know, are we trying to this is me being very cynical in my point of view here, but is Richard Masters and the Premier League trying to to get this heard before this this next public saga happens? Um, but that's just obviously my view and it, it it just does seem very strange anyway. You know, you obviously hope that, that Everton will be putting this, you know, at the forefront of the Commission's minds and, and what have you. And, you know, I think Andy Burnham as well, you know, I think, you know, I, I just want to say thanks to Andy Burnham as well, you know, King of the North and, and all that kind of stuff in between. But Andy's done done a lot, you know, he's, you know, someone that's campaigned for Hillsborough tirelessly, you know, and I think Andy's someone sometimes people will look at and think, oh, he's an Evertonian, so he's, you know, being an Evertonian, well, no, actually, Andy's a man of the people, you know, he 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 was at the forefront of, of making change there and supporting, you know, the Hillsborough stuff. He was uh, a chap from, from Prescott who'd gone to to Manchester and, and, and is, you know, the Metro Mayor there and, you know, not many Scousers can go to Manchester really and, and, and win the respect <laughs> that he has, but he's a working class fella. That, and I think, you know, we mentioned people like Dave Kelly, I think, you know, Ian Byrne and people like that, you know, I think he's very much in there. That, that, that circle of people who, who, who are fantastic people who just care about doing the right thing. Um, you know, certainly Steve Rotherham the other day at the um at the meeting that he attended, he said he wrote to the Premier League straight away. Obviously, Steve's a, a big red, um, as, as we know, uh, and he, he well he actually said on that meeting he thought that the doing so might dispel the you know the the mistruth that the cop had to gobshites. Uh, I think he was <laughs> the speech that way, yeah. but you know, I, I think that you know proper football people, you know, and and people that that campaign for things that are right. They've had alarm bells ringing over this process. You know, it's very opaque, not much transparency. Some of the stuff's just not being released. And I, I think it's right that people are pushing in the right direction. Teddy, you, I mean, you must you must be sitting there, and I know you're very good at putting things together and, and you know, the, the compilations that you do on that, but you must be frustrated as an Evertonian looking on thinking, what's going on here? You know what I mean? This, this can't be right. But, That's you know, it. It's, it's the general murkiness that are bringing questions. Um, you know, nothing's transparent about what's going on. And also the fact that the media aren't reporting it correctly, it just adds to the murkiness. And you, you can't blame some fans who are looking at it and saying corruption. Like in terms of um in terms of just Sky Sports' coverage, 
you know, Andy Burnham himself said last week that there's been a media blackout on Everton. You know, since this point's deduction, he's indicated that the Premier League are, are coming down on Sky and saying, listen, don't don't put that out, don't put that out. So just for starters, we had the fake crowd noise that was going to go in at the Man United game. Uh, they didn't show the plane that was going over the Etihad. They censored protest banners. They pulled Andy Burnham's interview. I know they pulled an interview with Ped and Toffee TV. He pulled uh, an interview with Alan Stubbs. Um, they had a reporter who labelled uh, Goodison a, a dangerous war zone, and he was hiding over on the Whittle. Um, and then you've got Carragher, who you mentioned there about to the um, Carol Dillinich, the, the chair of Culture, Media and Sports, when she was speaking to, to Masters. It was a, a one-hour, 45-minute video of Masters basically squirming, and he, he just made a fool of himself when he, he made the, the small clubs claim and everything else. But you've got Jamie Carragher, who's looked at that, and he didn't mention anything that Masters said. He picked up on five-second quit that she'd made to Masters, and he vilified her for saying it, but he never said anything that Masters has said. So yeah. this sort of murkiness in terms of the media and you know why people are scared to say it, but then we're getting press releases from Martin Ziegler um, you know, while this, this three-day appeal is going on. You know, it just stinks. Yeah, yeah. You can't blame fans for thinking there's corruption because it's not transparent and the media aren't reporting it. I just want to say, as media, I have. <laughs> but I, yeah. I, I work, yeah. I'd say more national media, obviously. Uh, I, know you're, you're yeah. but, uh, I mean, I, I won't put I know, I know that, obviously, you know, local media like yourself, Julie, you, you know, you, you, you report as, as you see. You know, yeah. you know you've, you've, got, you've got to do things within, you know, certain guidelines and what have you. So I don't want to, you know, ask you directly about this stuff, but it, I mean, it is tough. I'm just talking from a fan perspective. It is hard because... No, and, and I get that. And I think nationally, I've I've been on Five Live as well talking about it. So that is obviously a national platform. And I think what I found, I was invited on to do... We did half an hour on on the PSR situation when the second... You were exceptional breach, on that, by the way. You were, um, you were exceptional on that. You challenged <laughs> as well, which was great. Yeah. But just... I think what came out of that was actually, by the end of it, I think the people that were on that, because they're not following Everton like we're following Everton, they actually didn't know some of the details. So I think yeah. once, once you start telling people all these details that, you know, like Terry's just said there, I think that's when people go, oh, well, I didn't actually realise that. And I didn't... I thought, I think people hear financial breach and automatically think there's been an influx of superstar players that have come in on big money wages and Everton have been playing like peak Brazil, do you know? And I think that's kind of the perception of it sometimes in other parts of the country. That's certainly what I found when people comment to me. I mean, you say, well, actually, it was interest on a, on a loan payment to get the stadium. And actually, anyone who's been and watched Everton for the last couple of seasons can assure you there's been no peak Brazil there. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, as exciting as Decore's goal was against Bournemouth, I don't think anybody in Goodison that day ever wants to repeat that 43 minutes off the worst case scenario. I don't like using the R word because I feel like I might jinx it. So I just kept saying worst case scenario. Um, but yeah, so and I think that's it. I think people just automatically assume cheating and then you've got... The situation with Man City, which, yes, I do, I am aware before I get flack for that, it's different charges within the remit of what goes on. So I understand that before anyone goes on at me about it. However, I think the co the confusion is, why can you have 115 charges dating way further back than Everton? And that's dealt with what feels like in a flash. 
exactly. And it, it feels like it's a message of, well, actually, just just have a load of breaches and it takes that long to get to the bottom of it, that it takes so long that everybody forgets about it. I think that that's clearly not because they keep stating we are looking at it and it takes time. But that's, that's what feels the, unfair. And yeah. those charges themselves, there's 115 of them. So it took uh, the league seven months to investigate Everton's one charge. If it takes the same length of time for 115 charges, we'll find out what happens to Man City in 76 years. Yeah, I'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never know. <laughs> we'll never find out. Well, I mean, we'll we'll kind of we'll we'll move we'll kind of uh, move on from that. And it is hard to move on because you know you can't. I find myself at times that I can't concentrate on the games because I'm, I'm worrying about, you know, that situation, which it's frustrating. You, know, you, just... you say that. So I always think, you know, when people are saying, no, oh, the players looked a bit flat. I thought after the PS, the second PSR news broke. And, mm. and you you imagine how, you know, you describe there about feeling all consumed by it. And I think and I think that's completely fair to feel that quite you, you think about it lots of times in the day. And no matter how much they are professionals and no matter how much they know they go out there and they block out, these are players, some of them, you know, if you think Pickford, Seamus, you know, have been through two relegation battles, VCL, you know, on the bounce, plus a lot of headlines that have been continuous for at least 12 months, you know, probably 18 months, haven't they? And then that PSR charge, the second one happens. There's already a 10-point deduction. And actually, when you look at the table, you know, be sitting twelfth right now, I think, wouldn't it? And yeah. it would be a completely different scenario. That actually, the point at Fulham would have felt a really good point of battling performance. You know, we'd have still been debating a penalty or whatever, but actually, it still would have felt a really good result. And we'd all be really calm, chilling out tonight, talking about, oh, do you reckon a European place is on the cards? What's completely yeah. different on it? So if you imagine, it must be hard for them players. And you know, I don't. I think it'll only be. Once all this is sorted in, in whatever way, I think somebody will come out and go, do you know what? We used to think about it all the time. Yeah. We were consumed. And the minute they're not going to admit it because you can't, because you've got to put on that sports psychology, you've got to put on that professional head. But it must be draining. It mustn't be nice to know you finally got yourself out of trouble mm-hmm. only to be landed back in it. I mean, you, you're right. You know, as, as a fan, you just want to watch footy on the, on the weekends, don't you? And, you don't want to be talking about the nonsense around it. You want to be talking about who's going to start or are you going to buy in the transfer window? Or, you know what I mean? It's become, it's become you know, so, so just so changed from when you were growing up. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm turning 40 on Saturday, so never really seen Everton do much by 95. You know, obviously I was I was 11 then. But it it's just horrible that when you're looking forward to the weekends and, and actually you're not looking forward to the game. Half the time you're looking forward to meeting up with your mates on County Road, having a few bevies, and and, and, and like you, you know the, the people that you see in the grounds. Half the people you, you don't know the names, but you've been nodding your heads and shaking their hands and hugging them. That you know, I have my season ticket with ISIS in the paddock for fifteen years, and I, I feel like these people are my family. You know, I see them once every couple of weeks, and and that's what keeps you there. That's what keeps you hooked. Yeah. And often now it's the football that that you just don't enjoy. It's the you know, it's the celebrating but then pausing because you're thinking actually wait there is this going to VAR you know and you, you're worried about some kind of technical change on a on a decision you know what I mean it, it just it just feels like everything that you loved about football has been stolen you know it's been you know it, it, there's not a lot of football people in that Premier League board in my opinion as a fan 
when you look at it, you've got bureaucrats, you've got people in PR, you've got solicitors. You know, I'm a governed by rules, and we just want to get back to to being able to love football. You know, we love Everton, that'll never change. You know, and you look at some of the fans that have done what they've done, like Sir Katie Carter, Gemma, and all them kinds of stuff, hands, and you know the, you know the people from the brick and ladies, and you know that that their football. That's what I love about Everton. You know, they, these are the genuine people and the stories and the characters out there and your bonks that you know what I mean that everyone knows on your ways and that's what I love about Everton at the moment and and it should you know it should be the football as well but actually it's the people you know it's the communities it's it, it's our routines um and I just I just love to get back to just enjoying the football uh, but at the moment it just seems because of the rules because of the regulations that I think are draconian because of our and the way it's being applied by the PGMLO that actually the football side at the moment just seems so distant you know it's it, it's almost like an inconvenience at times where you're thinking what are they going to do to us this week? You know, how are we going to be fucked over? You know what I mean? <laughs> Tell you, you know, I, can, I know you've, you know, yet you've not Keith Hackett and, and Super Kevin Campbell talking about you the other day about your, your montage. But are you yeah. feeling the same, mate? You, you, you start to think, what's this about football in 2024? Absolutely, mate, yeah. Um, you know, it, it is grim. And I think in reference to the videos that Keith Hackett and Kevin Campbell were, uh, referring to that they had a podcast about it actually which is quite interesting for me to sit back and watch but um, when I was making the videos you know it, it was frustrating when I realised how much content I had um, you know I've said in the past that I thought it was going to make a, a one minute video about a few red cards that we should have had against us but all of a sudden when I looked at it um, you know it's just video after video and you know there's a for me there's a lot of misinformation and, and fake news and false narratives on in the world of Twitter, and uh, that's just the mainstream media, by the way. <laughs> but um, I just think it's important to, to to document the injustice. And as I say, when I've been making the videos, it's it's clear cut that Everton just aren't being treated the same as other clubs. And you know, when you put an identical instance next to another one, um, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? And, and the facts speak for themselves. Obviously, Everton have had the most red cards against them, uh, the least in their favour. I think we haven't had a, a red card in our favour for three and a half years. Um, we had the least penalties last season. We've had no penalties this season and the most given against us. So when things like that are happening on the pitch as well, um, you start to ask yourself, how is it How is it going so unjust for us off the pitch and on the pitch? And uh, obviously in, in that, you can't blame fans for thinking, is there some sort of level of corruption here? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is hard because you don't, no one wants to go down these rabbit holes, by the way. And, you know, you... I'm the first person to, you know, when you see all these mad conspiracies online. But as an Evertonian, you go every week and, and and these things are stacking up. And it's only like you say, Teddy, when you step back and actually think, yeah. actually wait there. Um, you know, this is not just a, a 12-month thing. This is something that's happened over four years, you know, or, you know, a long period of time. And then you think back at maybe, well, Everton were the most outspoken after the, you know, the Super League debacle. Um, you know, we were very on records about what you know why it was wrong and we kind of let that process out which is is now becoming a, an independent regulator essentially you know it's taking a lot of power away so it does make you think and you know I, I don't want to spend too much time on it because you know I'm sure we'll end up somewhere getting spoken about uh, you know in terms of Twitter with, with certain other clubs maybe saying you know we're conspiracy theorists but we just want a fair crack of the whip I think it's fair to say you know we can't change the past you know, we just want consistency. You know, we just want 
you know, if it's a penalty, you know, we look back at Fulham with the Craven Cottage thing the other day. So I, I heard some, you know, he didn't look at it because um, because Antoine uh, Robinson's hands was by his side. Well, actually, it was like Christ the Redeemer, you know, his, his arms yeah. that separated. You know, it's like, you know, you're looking at stuff like that. Let's just start getting, you can't change the past. We're not wanting, you know, anything else of that. Let's just start, you know, getting things right now. You know, and I think I think Howard Webb and, and the gang can, can can learn from that. Then, you know, we're we're not asking you to change the past. We know that's not going to happen. But let's start getting things right now. Um, what I will uh, say, you know, I'm not I'm not going to say it's a, I'm not going to go full conspiracy theorist here or nothing. But for the two things that should be very separate, we've got these there's, there's off, on off fields thing going on and the on field going on, and they seem to be going against Everton both at the same time next to each other, and you know trying to be as impartial as possible. Is there any way there's a connection? Is there anything there? But what I think has actually happened is I'm not saying referees have been taken aside and briefed and, you know, don't give that and don't give this. Some people are thinking that, but I'm not thinking that. What I think at the very least has happened is a lot of things have happened off the pitch and Everton have been vilified for things like the points deduction, the protests, headlock gate, uh, the pitch invasions. And I think it's painted Everton in a bad light. And on some level, subconsciously, it's had some sort of a knock-on effect. And it's potentially making re- referees side against us when it comes to these big decisions. Because how else do you be- begin to explain the two separate matters both happening in-, in conjunction with each other? I think on the pitch, for me, I look at it really simplistically. And the bit I don't get, and, and this is not an Everton thing, this is just a thing I don't get. Tennis has Hawkeye. And I can't really ever remember controversy around, you know, it, it brought technology in. It's really quick. Everybody can see what's going on because it, it shows the people there. It show, you can see it at home if you're watching at home. Mm. Nobody's in the dark. It happens really fast and there's no debate over it. That's it. So I thought when they were bringing in technology into football, similar to rugby, you kind of hear what's going on. If you're in the stadium, you know what's going on. It's all relayed really well. Where football has not worked is it hasn't taken away any of the arguments. I thought, oh, we're not going to be arguing anymore about is that offside? Is somebody is it a penalty? Because it's supposed to take all that out of it. It's supposed to be clear cut. But it's like the rules are changed and then nobody knows what a penalty is anymore. Nobody really knows it. Apparently, you know, a bit of stitching on, on your shirt on the shoulder can mean you're offside. And it's made it too complicated and it hasn't simplified it and I thought that was the whole point it was going to just take all the argument out of it and we wouldn't have that debate instead we're now having more debate than ever and yeah. you know you look back mm. at the the DCL red card at Palace to put you know an Everton example back in the mix nobody nobody including the Palace players thought it was a red card or a foul yes as how you know, I, I just don't understand at that point how we've ended up in a situation now where people play in the game that are on the pitch. No one was looking to get him sent off. The ref thought it was fine on the pitch and then was told to go and look at a TV screen. And then it gets rescinded. And it just feels completely bizarre. We're in like a twilight zone now of where we've managed to make it way more complicated than it should be. <laughs> I don't understand how that's happened. <laughs> it, it, it is mad. And, you know, we talk about that, you know, so not we, but I I mentioned that you know the Premier League boards are actually there's not many football people there, um you know and I think we just need to get back to football, 
you know, I think we need more football and people in various roles. Yeah, I'm not saying, you know, I, I'm not one of these people who say put X players in, in in the referee roles because, to be honest, I think there'll be bias, whatever. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, my my day job, I'm like head of communications and engagement for a few hundred thousand people. You know, and I, I sat down the, the first, like, start of January setting narratives, briefing people about what the next 12 months and what we're going to say and how we're going to say it. So it doesn't come as a surprise to me that, that the Premier League are acting in the same way because that's what people do in them roles. Um, but I think we need, you know, we, we, we need more football people involved in, in football. Um, bizarrely, you know, making the decisions. And I'll never understand how we are, you know, foreign players, um, foreign coaches, um you know, foreign managers, but then we've got to have the same pool of referees that are just English. You know, I'm here recruited in this country. Surely with the highest grossing league, you know, that is a brand basically that we should have the best. You know, why why are we only recruiting from the same pool? Yeah. Surely we, we can go and get, you know, it doesn't matter where someone's from in the world. Let's go and get them. You know, it's it actually these these decisions mean something. You know, and they can decide the fate of, of, of a team. So it, it it's also an opportunity to re, you know remove accusations of bias and all that kind of stuff in between. But I think the more we can make independence, you know, I think we need an independent regulator straight away. How can how can a you know a Premier League who who actually I'm sure Richard Masters or or his team are scored or or literally they're they're kind of when they you know everyone sits down at the end of the year how have you done this year? I'm sure part of, of that review is how much money. That Richard Masters has managed to generate, yeah. but how how can he how can he be doing that on one hand? Because that you know he knows that City and the top couple of teams and that that cartel few teams, he knows that he relies on them. So yeah. how can he then be acting in the interests of the other fourteen? Um, you know, and, and Andy Burnham made that point the other day. You know, you can't you can't you just can't put one hat and take one hat off. You've got to be independent. There's got to be a certain level. Of independence, and even if he's great at it, I don't know. He might be great at it, uh, for all I know. And I, I mean, I, I personally don't think he is. But it just takes away that that accusation. Just make that independence. So you know, the independent governance has to be on the finances as well. Yeah, you know, I think the same with the referee. Take it away. Just get the best people in to do the to the job that you need them to do. And it doesn't matter whether they're from England, Nigeria, Argentina, Italy. Get the best people in there that they can do and deliver, um, you know. And I think that's where the Premier League needs to go because it, it you know, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, set, we're sat here on transfer deadlines. Eh? I'd normally be doing this live and, and talking about transfers and we've done spaces and stuff in the past, but there's nothing going on. Heaven, you know what I mean? With all these rules and regulations, the draconian rules that are being put in place, not just Everton, but right across the league, there's just no, you know, yeah. I mean, I'll ask you now, I mean, just, just on that. We've had some funny transfer moments, haven't we, in the past? Um, you know, and Evan have definitely had, had, had a few. Um, Terry, I'll start with yourself. What's your, your, your favourite deadline saga that's, that's happened? And, and, and by the way, we're doing this because there's nothing happening today because Masters... <laughs>
But I'd, I'd say my favourite um, on, on that. I'd say, I don't even know if it was deadline day, but the whole uh, Lukaku saga was amazing. Uh, when he'd already played for us on loan, and he, I remember, I think we played Holloway last game of the season. He's blowing kisses and throwing his boots into the crowd. We thought we'd never see him again. And uh, all of a sudden, he started, he put up a picture, I think, and it was like, uh, forget what the caption was, but he was on a plane. So he knew he was on a plane somewhere. And not for a second did any Evertonian think he was coming. And then all of a sudden, people started tracking the planes, and that's where all the fun started and the potential signs <laughs> of him. And then, um, yeah, when we, when we signed Lukaku, that was just an outrageous transfer for us. Like, but obviously, we've had the other ones, have me. I think Gareth Barry was a was a last minute one, and then uh, McCarthy was a last minute one, turning up with uh, half an hour to go. So. That was at the same night, that um, Terry. If you if you remember back, because I remember feeling so depressed about it, about us not getting anyone in. Did we get Lukaku last... deadline day? Yeah, last couple of that's hours it. we had uh, James McCarthy yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. and Day the Fail thinking that on the cackle came alone. Because that was when the um, we had that headline saying that you shouldn't be able to loan so many players. That was it, yeah. Um, Lomerton. Yeah. <laughs> We've done so well in that season, but it, you know, it became the big thing about, you know, you shouldn't be able to loan players now because Everton are doing well out of it. Yeah, Everton um, have, t- have tended to do okay in a January, which feels... Pienaar was, was Pienaar January? Stephen Pienaar? Yeah. 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 Well, I, I mean, like, that, like most clubs go, oh, I don't want to buy. Him. Everton went through a phase of having really good Januaries just so people were stood in the cold outside Finch Farm. <laughs> and buses, yeah. And there was the old thing going on there where, it, but it, it just does seem, I mean, I, I think back in, was it Odd and Wingy when he turns up in another club? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he was sat in the car park hoping that he was going to get signed and then the signed. There was, there was obviously Harry Redknapp leading through the window, getting interviews <laughs> out of his range. You know, Bring Harry in. back to deadline day. That's what I. That's where it went wrong. Well, we, we've <laughs> lost all that, haven't we? And obviously, yeah. it's, it's, only, it's only down to one reason why we've lost it. And as I said earlier, you know, the thing going on at Everton, it's 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 made everyone panic and everyone's scared to to open the checkbook and, and sign a player now. So we don't get that excitement anymore. So it's another bit of uh, fun that the Premier League have destroyed for us. The most exciting last January, I think, across it all was was Dan Juma changing his mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, even uh, I think did Liverpool look at Andy Carroll when he turns up in a helicopter as well? That was I'm when sure Tor- did. yeah, didn't Torres go and then he was replaced by Andy Carroll. Torres that- and Andy Carroll, yeah. But that, I think yeah. Andy Carroll turns up in an yeah. helicopter. Yeah. And and it was claimed he didn't even want to go and yeah. <laughs> That's when deadline day was entertaining, and you would be up till one am still watching. I haven't even had it on tonight. I haven't even I looking at it. I, know. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody uh, said pretty quickly, not doing any business. That's it. Broken fax machines, Leroy Fair's knee. <laughs> you know, Vaders was in the one, wasn't it? Where the you know the the, the, uh, the fax never got there in time for the Premier League. So yeah, it's all changed, and I, I honestly, personally, I, I don't think it, it, it's for the better. Um, but anyway, so we we've, what time are we on now? We're, we're approaching nine o'clock. I don't think I've seen anything come in. I think we would have wanted, you know, certainly some areas, you know, alone. Any chance of signing on loan, lads, was was kind of like the the because we had no money. But we were back there probably today asking. It seems like we have been asking around. You know, it's probably an impossible job at the moment of all the stuff that's going on with seven 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 finances and everything in between. But where does that leave us? Um, I come to you both really, but uh, Teddy, you know, is is there areas of the squad that you know? Firstly, two questions I'll ask you both. 
Are there areas of the squad that you would have liked to be covered? And actually, you know, is there something on reflection that we can get more out of the players that are there already? Um, you know, because you know, some some have been used lots, others haven't been used, but you know, there's there's mitigation within that. I think um obviously the, the absence of the core uh, has been a massive loss for us. Um in that sort of the core role as we talk it, talk about it. Um we he's getting on the core, do you know what I mean? He's, he's I think he's just had injuries on both legs, the two hamstrings, is it? Yeah, is the leg really? now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's the other leg now, do you know what I mean? So he's getting on, he's picked up a few injuries himself. He's so vital to us, but the main reason he's vital to us because of his pressing stats. You know, you only gonna look at the obviously I'm big on stats, which as you know, you only look at his, his pressing stats for the league. I think it's, it's one of the best in the league for, for pressing, and um, you know, he, he makes us get forwards. He knows where the net is. You know, he can be clumsy in his passes occasionally, but we need someone who's a, a ball playing number ten who can play strikers in behind, who can uh, you know spray the ball about, and you know someone who's creative at the minute. We're lacking that, uh, and it's it shows. Obviously, hasn't it since in the Corey's absence? So we need a a new ball playing number ten for me, a, a, an attacking player. Maybe you can also play on the wing would be ideal. Definitely, you know, and um, Julia, anyone, anyone yourself that you, you kind of you know relate to what Teddy's just said there? You know, do you think we could have just eased that that burden onto Kuna a bit, or do you think there's anyone in the squad maybe that we could use a bit better in that role? I think. I don't want to sound like Sean Dyche here because I have asked him about this over the last few weeks. <laughs> and I think the issue is, and I am going to sound like him here, and I don't want to. Maybe I should like lower my voice a little bit so I sound There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can go that low, to be honest. A lot of noise. The, the big issue is genuinely, and this is now what we're seeing, is prices are so high. And having been in, I was in there last January as well, and, and it was great that Kevin Thelwell explained a lot of it. And when... You look at it, it could purely be, yeah, fans want loads of players coming in. It's not, it's not possible because of price tags and PSR and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yes, in an ideal world, I've asked Daish about it. Yeah, he would love to find another decore, but finding somebody in the right price that can do that kind of role and yeah. come in, it, it it's hard. Same yeah. as everybody wants a striker that's going to score you 20, 25 goals a season. Everybody wants one. Finding them is another thing. You know, they're just not, very many of them out there. So, yeah, in an ideal world. But actually, looking at the squad, if you think of the Newcastle performance, I keep thinking of the Newcastle performance at home. Actually, everyone that was available then, that was an awesome performance. Everybody knew what they were doing. I thought it looked fantastic. But the big issue at the minute is, is the injuries. If Deitch can get Decore back, if he can get Seamus back, I liked Ashley Young Further forward in midfield, I quite like that. I'm not, I'm not yeah. a massive fan of him in the right back role. I think for for obvious reasons, I don't think. That, but I, I like him pushed a bit further forward. I think Ben Godfrey's been brilliant this week, deputising in that role. Yeah, I think it is just going to be a bit make do amend. I mean, I was a bit deflated when I asked about the injuries today in the press conference, and it it felt like there was a lot in that treatment room, unfortunately, because of how it is. And yeah, Everton haven't got the luxury of having a squad of, you know, I was I was at Anfield last night presenting at the game, and you see the the squad on the back of the of the back of the program, and it's just, you know, it's colossal. It's a huge squad, and it's a lot to expect. I know everyone goes, oh, get some of the under under twenty ones in. Why aren't we sit 
because it's a lot it's a big step up and it's fine yeah. when you're mid-table and I genuinely think if it had been mid-table might have seen a few you know Metcalf was in the squad wasn't he at Fulham, Mackenzie Hunt keeps going in the, in the squad. I think maybe they just started getting gay. I like Lewis, Lewis Dobbin. I think he's. I think yeah. he's got a lot about him. I, I quite. I know Dan Juma's now got a knock, so I I wonder if this is now Lewis Dobbin's place to kind of come. And I, and I hope he succeeds. But it's hard when you're in the relegation zone. And Deitch said that last season. He wasn't going to throw kids into that. That is that is intense. That is a lot of pressure. You're like you can't learn, can you? You can't throw a twenty-year-old in who's no. still learning in that level. So yeah, yeah, in an ideal world, yeah, a bit more in midfield. Another striker wouldn't be there, but I'm but completely pie in the sky now because it's like yeah, I'd like that. But well, I'll, I'll stay with you, Julia. A, a year of Deitch now we've had, haven't we? So <laughs> you know that that doesn't sound like a long time, but you know in the managerial world that we we existed and and Everton have been certainly. On the wrong side of that at times, getting into managers the past. I know that you know you you spoke to Frank Lampard quite a lot, you know, and he was there. And yeah, a year of Deitch, What what's your review of, of Deitch? You know, do you, do you think he's done a good job? You know, how is he different than, than Frank Lampard? And do you think that some of that might be you know reason why we're doing slightly you know, obviously better in the in the Premier League? I appreciate some people because they tweet me quite a lot when I say I'm off to the press conference. What do you want to talk about today? I know there's people out there that are just not a fan. I am a Sean Dyche fan. I think it was a miracle what he did against, you know, there, there was, yeah, I mean, we talk about injuries now. He had everybody injured, didn't he, at the end? I mean, I don't even know. There was a couple of games at the end where I think, I remember looking and Mina and Connor Cody were pushing up front and I was thinking, I don't even know what this formation is right now towards the end of last season. And it was just kind of get out there and win. And I think that's been a shame for him because he's had constant injuries and because of the financial situation, he can't play. I asked him when I spoke to him last week and, you know, we put it out as a bonus episode. I said, is this closer now to seeing Sean Dyche's Everton? And he said it is. But I think it's still a way away from what he would want it to be. And I think to deal with, we saw Lampard struggle towards the end and it wasn't nice to see and and I think I think it was the right decision in the end that he went but it's not nice to see that happen and, and I've seen that happen up close now and I've got a completely different perception of it being in seeing it firsthand it's really unpleasant and I think he was buckling under the pressure and I and I don't know how he would have coped with what has then happened since as well um you know, and it wasn't for the the want to try and it just wasn't happening. I think Deitch has got a really good way of de. I don't know how he does it. I've started to try and use some of what he does just in my own life. <laughs> when <laughs> when the shit's hitting the fan at home, I try and think, what would he do? And he's kind of just very just pragmatic. Yeah, a sports psychologist, yeah. you know, rolled into a manager. His emotional intelligence is quite good, isn't it? Yeah, and I think thank goodness for that because as much as every you know, I know some people don't like it and go, why don't you make substitutes before 80 minutes? Sometimes I think, well, what would you do? Who would you put on? Because the bench sometimes is cobbled together with whoever is. I mean, Ian Wone could end up at one point the numbers are that low. I, I, I don't I don't really know sometimes what people would like him to change. I get sometimes 
maybe a bit more attacking. But I, yeah, what there's Lewis Dobbin on the bench. Yeah, as much as I like him and I rate him, when it's a highly pressurized situation, he's still a young lad learning his trade. So I think he's very protective of his players. He doesn't throw anybody under the bus, and I kind of like that as well. And yeah, and he doesn't give anything away in a press conference. He doesn't want to create headlines. There's enough headlines going around. So I do, I do like what he's done. I, I think he was the calmest man in Goodison for that Bournemouth game at the end of last season. I don't know how he does it. Don't know how. <laughs> he said to me in the series, hear him say, I'm never too high. I'm never too low. And that's exactly the same. He was this. If you watch the post-match interviews, he's exactly the same man yeah. to being beaten 3-0 by Man United, which was a flattering scoreline, but it, same man as it was beating Newcastle 3-0. Same yeah. man. And I think that's really important because this isn't just managing Everton as a club. He's the only leader we've got right now that's out there because of the situation. Yeah. It's a makeshift board because the takeover hasn't happened or hasn't been knocked back. I don't know. I've got well, no inside well, knowledge. I think the board is Colin Chong, isn't it? Big Chong. It, it is, and that's not even his <laughs> natural role. You know, he's fantastic. And, you know, I think he took that job on in an interim thinking it would be a matter of weeks, this, and it's still going. Yeah. You know, I spoke to him, when was that? August for the series. And yeah. we're now in February and he's still late. I don't think actually he thought he would still be in that role. He th I think he thought he'd be back overseeing just the stadium, which he does fantastically well. But, you know, and and I just think he's had a lot to deal with his Daesh. And as a, as a man manager and just as a leader and somebody to speak, I don't think you can fault him. He hasn't crumbled, let's face it. <laughs> and but, I did say to well, him, do you enjoy being Everton manager? And he went, yeah, I do. I think he's fallen. I think he's fallen for the club a lot more than he thought. I think he cares a lot more than he thought. And I think he loves it. He loves that. He, he lets on that he doesn't know too much about the Dogs of War banner. I think he secretly loves it. <laughs> I heard him say that, by the way. He said that. Oh, I didn't see any banner, I think. Clear as day on the video, he looks over to the banner and he gives a little smirk. But do you know why? Because he's not making it about himself. Yeah. He doesn't make it about any one player. He's really clever at that. It's about everybody's together. And it's and fascinating. Way, he's doing so many jobs there as well. Obviously, obviously, you're saying the absence of the board. He is the board. He, he's, he's, do you know what I mean? Colin Chong will, will do his statements now and then when something big happens. But at the end of the day, it's that issue's in front of the press twice a week. He's, he's answering these questions, do you know what I mean? So he's doing a lot of jobs under one umbrella. And uh, as I said, I'm a big fan of him as well. I love him as much as you do. I think he's definitely the right man for us in this period. And as you say, it's definitely a miracle that he worked last season. What well, go on score-wise then, Julia um, and Terry. Uh, Julia, I'll start with you. Out of 10, tightest first year there. I'm going to give him a solid 7.5. I thought you go well higher than that. I thought you were going to be an 11 off the 10, to be honest with you. No, do you, know what? do you know what? I'm going to give him an 8 then. I'm going to give him an yeah. 8 out of 10. Solid 8. Because I actually don't think we've seen the best of him. Yeah. Because I think he's he's doing this job, and it's a cliche, isn't it, with one hand tied behind his back. He's doing a job where he's spinning plates that are about... Think, I mean, there's not many managers that are going to sit there and have to answer questions about finances and boards. and pro He's had protests. He's had a board leave. He's had 
you know, two PSR charges is at a 10 point deduction. And he's the same man that, well, I don't think he ever expected that when he walked in the door. I think he thought he was just going to make everyone do a load of bleep tests, get them really fit and fix it. He admits in the series when I go back in, in, in the July, that he never, ever thought it would go to the last day of the season. And I don't think he did. He had everything go against him from his captain, who, you know, he was relying on behind the scenes. He wasn't ever going to put Seamus out there in front of a camera. We were very lucky for the series that we got Seamus to talk as he did. Yeah. But he was he was leaning on him to speak to the players a lot, as is explained in the series. He lost him, though, didn't he? To an injury, a freak yeah. injury that would never have happened. Yeah. You know, DCL played barely any games under Daesh when he first came in. They were just, it was patched together like like anything, wasn't it? I mean, now there's Branthwaite. He wasn't there because he was a PSV. So it's easy to forget that now, isn't it, actually? You know, it was Jerry Mina who was who hadn't strung games together and for somehow Daesh just managed to get him fit enough <laughs> to score against Wolves, you know, in the 99th minute or whatever it was, to take it to that last game. And Colin Cozy, as it towards the end as well. Yeah, and I just think the way he handled that last game of the season... Deitch, having beat, I was in there that week, which was a complete privilege to be in there and see how it was. I can assure you, it was calm. It was calm in there. And I don't know how he did it. Even I felt calm. I didn't feel calm on the day, but I think because I didn't see him till after, I think maybe I needed to give me a little pep talk when I, <laughs> when I was walking. But I didn't know. But in there, yeah, it was like, we just focus. We know what we're doing. We've got a plan. And I loved the little bit where in the press conference before Bournemouth, I think somebody asked, didn't they, uh, Leicester see themselves as the favourites? I don't really mathematically know how that worked. Yeah. And Dyche picked up on it as soon as he, I, I saw him after. He said, did you hear them say that to me? And, you know, it was great the way he sort of, he knocks everything back. And it's not kind of what a journalist wants in a press conference because there's not very many headlines come out of a Sean Dyche press conference. But I tell you what, if I'm playing for him, that's exactly what I want. He is a bit Cosa Nostra, isn't he? Like a bit mafia, where he tries to keep things in house, <laughs> and you know, he doesn't like. So don't you know? And that's what how he it should be, and and we only yeah. know so much about Everton because of PSR breaches and government commissions now that are focusing on Everton and asking questions and all the other stuff. Really, I don't want to know. Don't want to know. And he says that a lot, doesn't he? He's like, you you don't need to know what goes on. It's a bit boring. <laughs> I think I think like you said, you know, going back to to what we talked about, football fans, we just want to. Watch football and enjoy yeah. football. And he and I think wants he, that. I think he's a as such as is trying to to ensure that actually Everton fans are protected from all the nonsense of it. Um, Terry, uh, uh, I'm surprised that I thought Julie was going to give him a twenty out of ten, but um, only because uh, I'll get flack on social media by people <laughs> that don't like it. I'm a massive Sean Dyche. I say it in the series. I've not got a problem I know. I know <laughs> saying this. it. I, I know this. I know this. I, so you've been, you've been political. Teddy, um, what, what what do you think, score-wise? I think if we'd have asked Julia on the 1st of January, what you give him out of 10, I think it'd be a lot higher. Obviously, we all succumb to recency bias, but if you look at the bigger picture, um, it's been a tough January for us, a really tough January for us. It's been a tough six weeks, and I don't think anyone could have realised the significance of the Onana penalty miss when he did. Um, I think we just thought we were out to cut, but prior to that game, We'd won 10 out of 14 games. We were absolutely flying. Since then, we've had seven league games. We haven't won one. Yeah. Four losses, three draws, and the three draws are all nil-nil. So it's knocked us for six. 
alongside the PSR breach that came out. I think that was mid January, wasn't it? Fourteenth, maybe. Uh, and obviously, there's the injury to the core as well. He's obviously our key player. So it's a tough six weeks. But if you look at it, this season only Bayern and Barcelona have missed more big chances than us. You know, I'm into meet numbers, which are like the stat man, Sorry, stat man. Yeah. So, so Everton had the biggest XG underperformance across Europe's top five leagues. So some people can look at that and go, that's a bad stat. For me, I like it because, yet we're bad at finishing at the moment, but we're creating the chances. And under Lampard, that wasn't happening. We weren't making yeah. those sorts of chances. You see the the chances the other nice DCL and Beto, the, the nodding headers over the bar from three yards out. Do you know what I mean? It's the low on confidence because of what's going on. Um, but you look at what else is going on in terms of the clean sheets. We've cut six clean sheets out of eight which is miles ahead of anyone. If we had just put away some of these chances, we'd, we'd, be, we'd be flying up the table, do you know what I mean? And in terms of the XG, and that not to go on about that, because I know a lot of people hate it, but Dice faced some criticism. Uh, if you remember, Cassie Mayamax to October, mm. he actually referenced... Probably off me. <laughs> yeah, you, you hate XG. Yeah, he referenced XG, XG in, in a uh, press conference, which is unusual for Dice. He wouldn't normally go into that. Yeah. He mentioned it because we were so high but the results weren't going for us. And you'd have the, uh, it tends to be the, the Everton Dallas a lot of the time, but they'll be like, you know. I, I am 40 on Saturday, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want you players to put I'm the ball really in. I'm kids, but I'm 40 on Saturday, so I'm probably classified as well. Yeah. So, you know, he, he said in, the, in this press conference, and it was mid-October when he said, our fortunes will change. If we keep these performance numbers up, it's going to change. We ended up going on a, on a win and run the back end of October into November. And then, obviously, you look what happened in December, end of November to December. We went on that run again. So, there's no question for me. We've got some tough games going, but fortunes will change. And mm. as I say, you can't understate the medical e-work last season. And uh, I think, you know, tough games coming up, but it will it will change in our favour. Yeah. It even got Andre Gomez looking like yeah. he was originally. Yeah. And, and then he gets injured. I think he's had the worst look as an Everton manager, anyone's ever had. Yeah. He'll be, be giving hugs out before we know it, Gomez. It was the hug, the Andre Gomez hug up on. Oh, yeah, I hosted that. <laughs> yeah. I hosted I that. Do you know what? I'm just going to have to say, I had to have a hug at the end. Normally, <laughs> I'm dead professional at these things. So I was like, I'm going to get in here and get a hug. And it smelled <laughs> like nothing I've ever smelt before. I bet it smells great. Oh, it, it, it was an amazing... I was drunk on it for about two days. I don't know what it was. <laughs> so dreamy. <laughs> I don't know what it was. But, you know, like, everyone in there was just captivated by whatever he smelled of. But yeah. Maybe... What, maybe I don't the, know what I mean, it was. I've never smelled that before or since. What does Dice smell like? I was, was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been asked some weird questions, like... What uh, what is the chicken wings sauce he has on his thing? And I've been asked about the creamy Coleman pasta a lot. I've never been asked what Dice smells like. Well, um, what, 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 old spice, a, I can imagine. Probably wears a fragrance, fragrance, screw fix. Do you know just, what? Yeah, just, just so. <laughs> have you have you met Dice? Oh, have you met him? No, no, no. no. I got the luxury of meeting Bampard a couple of times, but I've never met. The first thing everyone is struck by is he's really tall. I mean, I'm I'm short anyway. I'm only just over five foot, so anyone's really tall to me. But he's really tall, and he's really like ripped. Yeah, yeah, like way more than Lampard or anything. He's like he goes in the gym a lot. He's really ripped. 
Like you, you'd, you'd back him in a fight. Oh yeah. <laughs> like no bother. Like you'd back Bite him. Bite your pants into the brick and be able to have it with anyone. To be <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, and I, and I, do you know what? I feel sorry for Daishis. I think because I I've seen him like when I was in there so much. It's really funny. He's a really yeah. funny guy, and the players like his sense of humour. He's into his festivals as well, isn't he? Really knowledgeable about his music. He, he was telling me after a press Techno conference, music, we were chatting about, he's really good mates with Serge at Kasabian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was telling me about he has Kasabian artwork. This is off the record, so I don't know if I'm supposed yeah. to say this, but yeah, he's he has Kasabian artwork at home, and he was talking about... He was telling me the artist's name, which I cannot remember. But he said, go home and have a look at his website. But he clearly thinks I earn a lot more than what I do because, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't, don't kind of, couldn't have afforded anything on there. And they didn't have to take that prey. So <laughs> I never <laughs> went to, uh, I never went to Glastonbury this year, but a few mates did. And uh, it's it's bad enough when you, you haven't gone to Glastonbury and you try to go and you've got to watch it on the telly. But I was getting photos sent through. Of, obviously, we, we stayed up and all that when we everyone was still in party mode and uh, I was getting photos sent through with some of the lads with Daish just being I think every Evertonian was there seemed to get a photo with Daish and he was happy to as well so yeah it was a bit close I don't missing out on that yeah he, lo he loves being Everton manager um, yeah. and I kind of I wish you know hope, hopefully the points some points or all the points are given back because I think if if the pressure of not being in the bottom and, and scrapping again which oh, I don't want to do it again. I just don't want to do it again, but yeah. we'll have to do it again, maybe. But I think his personality will come through and what you see around Finch Farm. And I think he will really settle into it. And I think people will like it and see see why a lot of people behind the scenes like him. I'm still scared of him. I'll be honest. He still terrifies me. <laughs> well, I'm he surprised he hasn't made you do the, uh, the bleep test, Julia, to be oh, fair. And, no. Yeah. No, I, do you know, I, I didn't want to go. I was scared of going on the, the wheel, the wheel of misfortune, as it became known. That's what scared I mean, yeah. me. Is he so any time I was allowed in the canteen, like the players' canteen or in Daishi's office, I'd always make sure I'd took the cups or anything with because I was like, he's going to put me on that wheel. And that is absolutely terrifying to me, having to sing. Is that still going on, is it? You're still doing the wheel? I think everyone behaves that much now that I've not really seen. Yeah. Do you know what? Do you know what it brought? And again, when we're talking about really clever sort of things it it was not just about kind of that respect level and getting rid of not that there was any egos in there I think it's a pretty good squad for that but you know we wanted to make sure everybody was sort of turning up on time and everybody was kind of on the same page so I get it but actually it just brought like something together when everyone needed to feel together and I think for that that last little bit there was a lot like yeah, there was a lot of banter going on and he brought a real spirit of, like, we're together, we ignore everything else, and we go out there and we fight. And I really liked that. And I, and I, it felt really natural the way he did it because he brought did it with a bit of a laugh. You hear him, like, laughing about Tom Davis's clothes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it, it, it was good, you know, it was, it was a good laugh, but also it was about making sure everybody felt everyone was together. And it certainly did that. Like, I certainly bought into it quite quickly, not that I was kind of training or anything like that he wasn't checking when i what time i was there um <laughs> but yeah it brought like a really nice sense of sort of togetherness very quickly when it was needed the bit that was surprising for me was how fast everybody moves on when a manager goes like that's nothing like i've ever seen before in my life like if we leave a job 
kind of yeah. like, a, like four weeks notice and all that kind of stuff. Whoa, it happens. Like, and I've never to this day spoken to Frank Lampard again. No. The Premier League is it's an unforgiving beast, isn't it? It yeah, is, and, it, really. and, it, it's, and it's easy for, as fans to to simplify it and look at it in your own terms and look at it how we live our lives. It's like nothing. I will struggle, I think, to my dying day to ever explain what it was like in there. And it was fascinating to be part of it. And such a privilege, something that was never lost on me any day when I was in there. But it's not a world any of us live in. Yeah. Thank goodness, because yeah. I don't know if I don't think I'd survive it. <laughs> I had a couple of cries in a dugout. I'll be totally honest. I had a couple of cries in there. <laughs> Would you do another one if you said that like, you want to do one more? Would you do another one? In a heartbeat, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, I mean, it's awful. I don't know if I could, yeah, in a heartbeat. <laughs> I don't know if it will ever happen. Sometimes yeah. things are like E.T. was a great film, but it was just best off as a one-off. So I don't know if, if that would happen. I mean, obviously, we've, I've been fortunate enough to tag on a couple of little bonuses, and Dice was lovely to let me go back into the first... It wasn't done in the media room that. We went back into the first team block, which, you know, we're not allowed in normally, and sat in his office and had a good chat, relaxed chat, which was nice to do a bonus episode. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if... it. If if the if everybody said yes and they were like right we're putting you back in yeah I'd, I'd go tomorrow I'd be there at eight o'clock tomorrow morning no problem <laughs> maybe the last season of Goodison might be the perfect time that, that, that would be perfect yeah there you um, go. yeah that's got to be captured it's got to be captured hasn't it yeah I mean and it was emotional enough sort of what happened last season I think that comes across. There is clearly a meltdown of mine in the car that a lot of people have contacted me about, <laughs> which I didn't know if I wanted to leave it in, but it got left in. And yeah, yeah, I had a meltdown after Newcastle thinking, oh, the worst is going to happen here. Yeah, I think it'd be really emotional, but I think it'd be sort of nice to hear. I don't know what's going to happen. I've got genuinely no insider knowledge. Obviously, Seamus did another year. I don't know. It would be nice to see him another year. Yeah. I mean, the way this was is, you know, you don't. Know, it might be a, a transfer ban, or there might be anything that comes out of the commission. We just don't know yet. So, mm. to be honest, it, it makes perfect sense for us to, you know, to keep the players we've got. Paul Ashley Young will be uh, playing till he's forty-one at this rate. <laughs> but, but this is a big problem, isn't it? As well, that it, 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 we just don't know, and I, yeah, it's frustrating what's going on. I'm kind of pleased it's been brought forward this appeal. I'm kind of pleased because I hope, I think it's, we're led to believe, we don't find out tomorrow as we're talking is the final day. We don't find out oh, tomorrow. So, yeah. It'll be in another few weeks. I just want it sorted. I just want to know. Shag, shag yourself bringing the 10 points back. That's what that's what we just need to just expect and, and hope. Has he ever but, been to Goodison, I wonder? That's the question. <laughs> Has he ever been? Uh, if shag yourself brings the 10 points back, it would be the best ever January transfer silent that we've ever you'll had. never buy oh, you'll never need to buy a pint ever again really no. <laughs> what what's in shagasil drinks I, I, I did look at him campari think, what, i don't know yeah <laughs> i can see campari and he, he's a lucky what do you reckon teddy do you can get one of them in the brick i think he's a guinness man me good shout i'll, I'll definitely find one of the business like in his in his full silks in the brick 
for a, a guest appearance in, in Golden. Do you remember? Do you remember the dog that got cat Myra that got carried down? <laughs> that'll be that'll be him, won't it? Like being passed along. <laughs> no, Ted, Teddy's got a fantastic picture, haven't you? Behind the uh, the bagpipers. Yeah, yeah, of the of the, the first march, yeah. Yeah, and Teddy's front front and centre behind that. So you need the uh, Terry, the dog, Shaggy yeah. still. <laughs> a band of like Avengers that is <laughs> the Evan Avengers yeah. <laughs> I mean that that's yeah there were point. there are points in all this even though it's serious I love the fact that there's just little points where you go what on earth <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what on earth everyone it's coming in like smurf, looking like a smurf yeah he'll be in his <laughs> lovely expensive suit and just like a oh. blue face We've got a car that's just there, and uh, my fiance wasn't happy for, for ages because uh, the palace, well, obviously, all the air, uh, the flare stuff. But who's the palace one? But I came in, and there's still a blue block on on the on, on this <laughs> expensive rug, uh, rug that we've got. And we just can't get it out. We've had cleaners, all kinds of stuff, but we, yeah, my fiance's still not there. Uh, moment of history. You, like, even when the rug goes, still just like, put it out and frame that bit. <laughs> I don't, I don't mind. It is mad. I mean that that was that was when my father died just after that, and um, he he was almost crying when he he found out Everton would we get relegated. Um, I was going. He ended up in a care home and all kinds of stuff. Um, just bought like one of Everton brick things for him. Um, and there was nothing better than than, than going to sell my dad after Crystal Palace. Um, that we'd stayed up. You know, we half of the brightest eyes I was after it. You know, he obviously eventually passed away, but being able to tell him because he was he was absolutely devastated. You know, he took me to my first game, it was 94, Beasley scored two goals. Um, we all get them stories, haven't we? And you know, we, we Everton just can't be in a place where they go down. They can't be in a place, you know, this this is a, a football league founded and it's part of our DNA, you know, it's it's generations, and as I said before, you know, it's the people you meet on the game, the communities that the people who don't know the names, um, forget the fellow's name, and I, I'm really, I'm really sure about this. So you might be able to, to correct me, but the the the, the fellow who died the other day was on the Barclays affairs. Oh, Billy, 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 Billy Ingman. Yeah, so we, you know, it's likes of Billy Ingman, you know, and you know, Everton's about the community. It's about the fans, uh, and this is what the Premier League need to understand. You know, and the the force in these 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 draconian measures, you're actually affecting a whole city. You know, you're affecting three, four, five generations, you know, and it's it's about more than that. Um so hopefully they do the right thing and Shagger Silk brings brings the points back. Um but uh so uh, one when last you sat thing in the Shagger Silk stand. Yeah. The sh- yeah. <laughs> the Shagger Silk stand or, or the sweets, even as the Shagger Silk. <laughs> if I, I'm going to end up doing a bonus episode called Shagger Silk, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. Shagger the Shagger Lounge. Yeah, the Shagger Lounge. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you I know, when I signed up to that series, I didn't, I didn't think that would be what would be happening. <laughs> so, one last question to you both, and I'm all rounding up. Um, the weekends obviously we're going to uh, big Andrews Spurs. We're very close away. Um and I think it actually lends itself to a Sean Dyke side in terms of they'll come at us um, you know, they'll they play into what we want to try and do. Uh predictions. Uh Julia, this is normally you asking me. And no. uh, I I'll start with you, Julia. The pressure's on. Well, it was a good performance, wasn't it? 
the other way around at, just before Christmas, wasn't it? Um, should have probably got something out of that. It'd be the most Everton thing ever to go and absolutely wallop Spurs, who are currently in the top four, wouldn't it? So I'm just going to go in with all hope because that's me every single game. I always go in there. And Richarlison might just decide to do us a favour, I don't know, and stay quiet or not play. <laughs> um, I'm going to say 2-0 to us. <laughs> that's good to me. Sari, what, what are you thinking, mate? Yeah, I think uh, Spurs will come with that high line, won't they, and, and try and get at us. Uh, they want lots of the ball, and I think if we just approach more games against teams like this, like we do in the away games, like the away games, we seem to be so much more confident because we know we just settled defensively. You know, in the last eight games, we kept six clean sheets. If we just set up and be compact and hit them on the break, like we do in the away games, and put our chances away that we are creating, then uh, I've got no doubt we'll beat them. But I think I think we'll shut them out, and we think we beat them one 0 all rounds, it's looking good. It's looking good. I'm going to go two one, just for argument's sake. I think we're going to do them the set pieces. Um, so that's that's a, a full on. Another Dyche loves a clean sheet. Yeah, <laughs> I know he does. Yeah, yeah. He I doesn't love a clean sheet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no nonsense with Dyche. Thank you for listening. It's been the first. Actually, we used to do these weekly, and it's been the first since October or the end of October, which is incredible uh, for our 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 point of view, but. Uh, Thank you for everyone for listening and we will be back soon, I'm sure. And thank you to uh, Terry and Julia. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. I've enjoyed every minute. <laughs> <laughs>